0: Hey, good morning.
1: Hello, hello. Can you hear me okay?
0: Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Okay, good. How are you this morning?
1: I am very well. It is Friday, and we are on school holiday from Wednesday. So. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Happy days. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Dear listener, welcome to Breakfast Conversations, the podcast where we sit down one-to-one with amazing educators from around the world. My Breakfast conversation partner today is Emma Ferree from South Africa and you just heard her wonderful voice and she will share a lot of insight and great stories from her work as a teacher in South Africa. Emma works at an uh, all-girls school and we have uh, some discussions about that and hear how it is. That sparked really my curiosity because uh, here in Denmark we are not used to having schools that are either for girls or for for boys. So that sparked my curiosity. But we are Emma is also working a lot with passion-driven uh, learning where the students have much more autonomy in choosing their projects and their adventures and is trying to have this idea about 20% time or Google time or what you can call it, but, but where the students, they can craft their own projects and be there, let that be the center of their learning. So that is a very huge part of our conversation today, and I really hope that you are g- going to in, enjoy that because I thought that Emma has some really interesting thoughts on that. And we also hear a little bit about the love story that brought Emma to South Africa, so you can be looking forward to a really interesting conversation. Yeah, but let's jump into my conversation with Emma Frey.
1: Yes, we are in a place, a city called East London, which is on the southeast coast of South Africa. It is it is a city, but it's one of the smaller centers in South Africa. Not too many tourists come down to our parts because... Most would go to Cape Town, Johannesburg, Durban. So we are a very small, friendly city. We have the most magnificent coastline. Everything works a little slower down here, and um, it's got a great pace of life. No, no traffic jams. Um, three cars in front of you is, is a major traffic jam. So, <laughs> and everywhere is just five minutes away. It's oh. a really lovely, lovely place to live.
0: So that sounds uh, perfect. Now, when uh, your summer holiday is uh, around the corner, oh, sounds like Jacob. a good place to be.
1: <laughs> it's the best place to be. It's the only place to be. We've got mm. so we've got our sort of the main beaches in the city, and then you travel either way actually along the coastline and you get the most beautiful rugged rugged landscapes. It's stunning and lots of little holiday places along the way. So we, even though we spend most of our holiday. Um, in East London, the last week, we travelled up north a little bit, just out of town. And there's the most beautiful little um, seaside village called Hugger oh, okay. Hugger. And they say it twice, or it is so nice, they say it twice. That's what they say. <laughs> um, so we have we have a week, just family, just just my husband, myself and our two children. We go there and we just relax. My husband goes fishing, the girls swim. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful time. So, yeah. That We're sounds wonderful,
0: uh, and and um, you have already been teaching this morning, and uh, had now had a <laughs> bit of time for, for recording a podcast and and drinking tea. Uh,
1: yes, I no. have because I knew I was speaking to you today. I've sort of lowered the caffeine levels. Oh, ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, caffeine affects me, and so I have to choose wisely when I drink it. Um, But I'm drinking South Africa's finest rooibos tea, which Ah. is a red bush tea, Mm. and it's got no caffeine in it. And this is a rooibos and cranberry version, so it's very tasty.
0: Ah, that sounds good. And I'm on my third cup of coffee.
1: (laughs) Oh, awesome! (laughs) (laughs) Cheers!
0: (laughs) So, and um, please tell us a bit about uh, your school, uh, where you work.
1: Yes, thank you. I work in a school called Clarendon Primary School for Girls. It's a government school, grades 4 to 7. Um, so that's age 9 to uh, 13. And we have our sister school. So we have the younger school, which is the prep school, and that's grades naught 0 through to grade 3. Then they progress mm-hmm. onto the school that I work in. And then after our school, they move up to the high school, Clarendon High School. So they get their whole journey from age 4 to 18 at our school. Ah, okay. Mm, we're, split, yeah. we're split over three different sites, though. So we're on one main road, um, but the prep school's tucked away in the corner, and then you travel a little bit further up, and then you have the primary and the high school okay. on another campus. Yeah. Mm.
0: And uh, you as teachers then sometimes also uh, working on, on the different locations and traveling back and forth between the locations? Uh
1: we actually don't. We all have our own. Um, even though classes. we are a family of schools, yeah, we have our own. We have separate governing bodies, actually. So we mm-hmm. are classes three different schools, three separate schools, but we are one family. Mm. So everyone has their own staff complement, and we don't we don't um, sort of mix really or travel between the campuses.
0: Okay, but for PD sessions and so on, then you can work together. Or? Oh,
1: Jacob, yes, we can. Uh-uh. <laughs> we can. Yes, we could. Uh-huh. And we do. When, when we have external visitors in, you know, we invite each other's schools to go along. But because we are still three separate schools, we each uh-huh. do our own in-house training. Ah,
0: okay. Mm. And you became an Apple Distinguished uh, Educator this uh, summer. Can, can yes. you tell us a bit about your journey, uh, both, yeah, until that oh, point I- and, and maybe since?
1: Sure. Um, it's been a roller coaster two, two years actually. Um, I, I am so, so grateful for this AD experience and Leading up to it, I've, I was teaching actually at the prep school for um, with the little ones for 11 years. And in that time, we, we implemented iPads when they came out sort of about seven years ago. We That's when we started the journey. And we just had a, a couple of banks in the school that the children and the teachers would book out and use. Okay, so you were and also on
0: the... I, the second or third generation of iPads when you started, or
1: that's right. The yeah. th- the oh, what was it? Third generation was with the with the big adapter, wasn't it? Was that the?
0: Yeah, I think yeah, and, was, and the, yes, and the they second our first
1: iPads, uh, and then we had the then the then the lightning connector came with uh, the fourth gen. So uh, our first proper bank was a fourth gen. Mm-hmm. We had a trial period with the with the third gen iPads, and we just knew that was where we needed to be. And we just knew that this was going to revolutionize teaching and learning. Um, With the little children though, there was this constant battle between, you know, the the argument about fine motor skills and um, too much exposure to Wi-Fi as well. So we sort of found a happy medium where we had Mm. the banks and the children were exposed to them on a weekly basis in their lessons with me um, and then their teachers as well. Oh, okay. So that was yeah, that was at the prep, and then to be honest, my role at the prep was more in the computer lab. So I was on sort of Windows machines and doing you know your normal lessons, and I didn't I didn't get too st- involved in the in the iPads story. Um, it was only when I left the prep, and then I came to this school where they were already running a one to one program, and wow my life changed and um, I was literally just teaching with the iPads the whole time. I, have, I still have amazing mentors um, to, where I went for some training and I went and visit, You know, I went to an iPad summit in, in uh, Johannesburg where I just learned and I, saw, I, I learned so much and I saw this device in a whole new light and I just fell in love with the iPad. Even though before I knew it was the right thing to do and the right device to be using, I was nowhere close to using it to its full capacity. So yeah, nearly two years ago, I started using it, teaching with it full time fell in love and haven't looked back and going into the ADE because I've got such great mentors here our management at this school is phenomenal they want you to push yourself out of your comfort zone all of the time they support you when you fail they help you back up again they're they, they just a phenomenal group of women
0: oh, that sounds so, so good, it must be so important when you're yeah, are on that journey oh, that, that you know, feel safe uh, also in, with your, your leadership exactly
1: exactly right. that that feeling of safety is like nothing else and the freedom the freedom to be creative with your curriculum the freedom to try new things even if it fails is is like nothing else i've experienced and i'm very very grateful
0: yeah, yeah i think that uh, that journey of, of implementing a new technology I, I, it's so easy to tell all the good stories, but it's never a quiet ride. Right. I think that there will always be those bumps <laughs> on the way, and and we have to to learn by by experimenting and trying things out. So having Absolutely. that that comfort of, of uh, having a safe space to, to fail and fail forward that must be very important.
1: It it really is. It's made a difference to my role in school. I know that I've got a group of people. I, if I you know we encounter one of those bumps, and like you say, there are many. I just knock on the door and just say, "Listen, can we just have a little, a little quick meeting?" And then I explain the issue, and we we brainstorm together. We come up with a solution, and we we move on. You know, yeah. it's um, it's it's really like I say, it's changed my life, and I love I love where I am. I oh sorry,
0: no no no. Uh, but um, um, I just thought uh, previously you also told about the. Uh the community in South Africa and, and, and the mentors, and, and but what um, made you then apply for the Apple Distinguished Educator Program? Was that uh, some of those mentors, or yes, it
1: was they never, they didn't. Uh, they didn't really sort of tell me to go for it per se, because to be honest, the ADE program is not, it's not widely acknowledged in South Africa still. So um, Emma, who you chatted to a few weeks ago, myself and uh, Jane, we're the class of 2019 from South Africa. And we just thought, you know what, this has to change. So mm-hmm. we're on a little campaign now to spread the word in South Africa and get as many educators involved as possible. Um, this cannot be an exclusive club. Mm-hmm. It has to be for everybody that uses Apple technology. Um, so when it came down to the actual, actual application, beforehand, I was invited to uh, attend an Apple professional learning specialist training course. So I was invited to attend and I thought, you know, I'm I'm completely (laughs) out of my comfort zone. Mm. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, But I went along and did it just for the experience. And then I passed and I became an APLS. And it was two days of extreme intense sort of pressure. Mm. And, but the most incredible uh, professional development I've ever been on. And, so I thought, you know what, if I could conquer that, I think, I think I can have a go at applying to be an ADE. I didn't know then what it, what it actually meant to really be an ADE. Um, it's only afterwards I've realized the true impact. But yes, yeah, so I, I just put a little video in and, and I thought, oh, you know what, let's do it. And like my mentors say, you know, if it doesn't work, you do it again next time. And yeah. um, we go from there. Hmm.
0: But I also think it's so interesting to see what what people make of it. I think it's so uh, really uh, depends on 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 people's personal goals, what they are wanting to achieve with it, and so on.
1: Mm. Yes, I mean, I didn't. I think you, who were you speaking to the other day about Twitter and being a lurker? Yeah, I was listening on one of your podcasts, and uh, I thought, oh, that was me. And even up until. ADE I was still that lurker and I wasn't brave enough to put myself out there and then since ADE I thought stuff it I am going out on a limb and you've just got to share the good stuff that's all we're doing we're just sharing what we're doing and we want you know we want to uh, sort of want it to be contagious and we want everyone to feel as great as we do when using the technology so and just want to share the love. Yeah. That's what I found out. Yeah, that's all ADEs do. They share the love.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, Emma, can you tell us a bit about the story why you uh, ended up in South Africa and now are teaching there? I, I know that's a great story <laughs> behind that as well.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad my husband's not here today because we have two versions. So I'm going to give you my version, um, which is obviously the truth. Mm. So, um, I, was, I was born and raised in England, in, uh, Cambridge in England, and then I went to university in Northampton. I'm not sure if you've ever been that way. And uh, I got my first teaching job out of university in a little village school. And then I heard that there was a cricket coach coming in to teach my class cricket sort of one, every Monday for six weeks. And I thought, oh, that's that's lovely. Mm. <laughs> and so in walks this sort of strapping South African male with this deep tan and this deep voice. And I thought, oh, yeah, you're, you're nice. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, I just sort of watched from a distance as he coached my class cricket. And then after a couple of weeks, he tried to get me involved in the game of cricket with the children. And so he would do the whole you know, I would stand there with a cricket bat and he would put his hands around me and help me with my grip, you mm. know, and <laughs> the children was you know in the background going, ooh, oh, like man. this, <laughs> it <was> with 10-year-olds. <laughs> um, so I've got really happy memories of those days. You know, we just connected and then um, we, yeah, we started sort of hanging out together that summer and because he was from South Africa, he would come over or he'd go over to England for the English cricket season and mm. then fly back to South Africa for the South African cricket season. So ah, he so you were playing in both countries
0: uh, himself then?
1: Yes, yes, ah. he was. So he, he would leave me behind in those long sort of English uh, winters and... <laughs> so the <laughs> winter could South
0: feel Africa. extra dark and cold.
1: Oh, oh, oh it was miserable. <laughs> Um, but luckily I was saved because I used to come out to South Africa for two weeks in the, yeah. in the English Christmas holidays. So we did that for about three, four years. And then one day he he said to me, look, it's time to get a proper job now. Mm. Um, so he had to find himself a, a decent job that would sort of support both of us. Uh, we weren't sure what the working situation and the visa situation would be like for me in South Africa. And there was never an option for him to be in England, by the way. Okay. He, he can't cope with cold weather. Um, <laughs> he, really, he really does battle. Yeah. So, uh, you know when he's cold is when he starts drinking coffee. So, uh, he used to drink coffee every morning and <laughs> no, he was an absolute wuss. Mm. So, anyway, uh, we, the decision was made for me to try South Africa. So, I left my school and I was devastated to leave. My very first teaching post was, was a, a really great start to my teaching career. And in fact, yeah, that's where I first started um, getting introduced to technology. That's when Interactive whiteboards started coming out. Ah, And instead of tablets, we had, um, I don't know if you know those slates.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. 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 So we had a slate in our classroom, so so you'd have to watch the board and uh, write at the same time. uh, (laughs)
0: Um,
1: So that was lots of fun. But yeah, so technology has always sort of been a... A favorite sort of lesson focus of mine mm. so yes i headed over to south africa and i stayed i haven't haven't been back since been back on holiday but yeah. you know lived, lived here ever since then we got engaged married two children a dog so we, we yeah, uh, we're yeah, living a it, lovely happy life
0: yeah and it looks really lovely now when i i see uh, both you and and also uh, Emma that were on the podcast previously, some of her photos now and so I think was oh, seeing that the, the summer uh, coming up here in, in, in South Africa and, and yeah, we are preparing yes. for the winter. <laughs> oh,
1: what's it doing where you are now?
0: Today is actually a very nice, lovely sunny day, but um, else yeah, it has been uh, very, very rainy the last couple of months. Uh, I think oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. October was the wettest month uh, ever in Denmark. Uh, oh, we have never had so much rain uh, before. Then, then, yeah. So, but oh. uh, yeah, it's um, it's nice today.
1: Oh good! I'm glad for you. You have yeah. to
0: make the most of it. <laughs> but I'm I'm also a, a summer person. I really prefer. I, I haven't. I never had to understand the people that are taking on winter holidays where it's even colder. I, I... <laughs>
1: <laughs> I must I, say, I do miss a I miss a good skiing holiday uh, I love I love wrapping up um, putting a big coat on and scarf and gloves I miss the skiing but I, I don't miss those rainy days the
0: now, I have also studied a bit in uh, Austria uh, three semesters mm-hmm. uh, um, when I was young but I thought, thought the, the really uh, the, the part that I enjoyed by uh, about skiing and, and, and the winter was actually when you had in outside and come in again and get some hot chocolate or uh, yeah absolutely <laughs> sitting around a, to... a fire and and, and that part I, I could relate to but uh yeah being on, <laughs> on the slope and, and and cold and i, I wasn't good at it at, at all so but just seeing all the others um... uh, yeah yeah it does <laughs>
1: tend to make for a more miserable time yeah.
0: <laughs> but emma why did you end up in uh, education have you always known that you would Like to be a teacher or?
1: Um, Jacob. When I was sixteen, it's in schools in England. I'm not sure if they do it anymore, but um, we had work experience, so we had to we had to go to the careers guidance officer, and they would sort of do a little test with us to see where we were most likely going to end up or what suit, which roles suited um, us the best. And I was told that teaching would would be sort of matched all of my answers from the test so my work experience I was placed in a little primary school and I had a great time I really loved it I've always enjoyed working with children and but I kind of thought no I don't know if I actually want to be a teacher though growing up I always had a a fascination with the RAF the Royal Air Force and when I when I was 12 I joined the the Air Cadets and that is where I spent most my weekends were sort of flying or gliding or playing netball or hockey for the Air Cadets. And that's that was my, they were my teenage years, was fully involved in the Air Cadets. So the natural progression for me was actually to join the RAF. Wow. So as I got older and when, when the time came, I you want I, I wanted to be an officer, though. Mm. So, With an officer, you didn't have to Being get shouted touch. at. And yeah. Then, yeah, yeah, you didn't have to make your bed every morning and mm. get shouted at by the officers. So, no, I, I wanted to be an officer. But to be an officer, you had to have a degree. Mm. So I kind of thought, okay, I, I like children. I did my work experience in a school. And, yeah, I'll do a teaching degree just so I can get my degree to be in the RAF. And then I started my teaching degree, and then I really I really realized then that no, this is what I need to be doing. This is what I should be doing. This is what I was made to do. And I stayed. And after, after my degree, I um, went straight, like I said, into this beautiful little village school. And I can't imagine myself doing anything else now.
0: And can your uh, school kids, the the girls that you teach now, do they then feel that you actually wanted to be an officer in the army? Do they?
1: they, (laughs) um, Yes, and probably my children (laughs) and my husband, yes. (laughs) (laughs) They have called me names, um, which I won't repeat on here, but yes, uh, a drill sergeant, I think I would have been good at.
0: (laughs) Some push-ups. (laughs)
1: I do like everything in order, you know, and (laughs) I do tend to be a bit bossy, some might say, although I think it's just my natural leadership skills shining through. Oh, okay.
0: Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Emma, for for me, it's also important that every guest uh, has the opportunity to uh, share their passion or or chose a topic. Um, Mm. So you have chosen a topic for today.
1: Yes. I talk I, about. Yep. Yes, it's it's a topic that I'm passionate about and it's something new that I've started in school this year. So I'm actually very new new to this and I'm sort of muddling my way through. So if anybody who's listening to this podcast has has experience in this area, please get in touch in touch with me. I want to learn as much as I can from other people. But yeah, my, my passion is genius hour. And so we've implemented Genius Hour in my school this year, thanks to again this wonderful management sort of sisterhood that we have and they've just given me the freedom to run with it and we've we've tried it out, met numerous numerous sort of challenges along the way. So we're gonna try again next year and sort of learn from this year and try again next year.
0: Yeah. And and um In what extent have you implemented Genius Hour? Is it once a week or that you have time for working with your kids uh, more freely?
1: Mm. Well, I'm a specialist teacher, so I don't have my own class. So the children come and visit me. Each class comes for one hour a week. Mm. So we, we did away with our computer lab. So the children have each got their own device that they carry around with them each day. So we don't have a computer lesson anymore in isolation, which I think is wonderful.
0: Mm.
1: And so the children do come to me with their devices. And uh, if I could just explain how our curriculum works when they come to me, thankfully, um, there's no prescribed curriculum for what I do. So it's an hour a week of the, the staff or the school have given me. And the first term of the year, we do workflow on the devices, you know, how we use the iPads, um, how we can be responsible digital citizens. So we work through those. And then we do one creative activity as well. Term two is when each class teacher or each grade gives me a module that they want to digitize. So they'll say, oh, we're doing a heritage trail of South Africa this term would you be able to work with the grade on that so I turn it into a digital module and I do that in term two with the children for each grade and that helps alleviate the marking process as well and marks that they need so I sort of help in that respect and then term three is a robotics and coding term and term four is the genius hour okay. so that's we've just had to we're just finishing term four now that's why it's still quite Fresh in my mind and it's still new so they come to me for an hour a week and then we have created a little digital module in numbers for them so they each have that airdrop to their ipad and then we work through the the journal actually not a module it's a journal
0: okay so so the so that module or or is um is trying to guide a, a creative process for them or
1: Yes, I actually think I put it together more for me to begin with because this is so new to me, so I wanted to sort of scaffold my lessons as such um but yes, it also helps scaffold their learning journey as well, so we sort of work our way through it it's I think it's it's important to have it for the first time they ever do it because they they don't know what, which where they must start and and um, how they must research and what they're looking for. so yeah. Yeah, it's very different it helps...
0: from what they are used to from the other lessons <gasps> I can imagine. Yes, so. yes very
1: much so. Yeah. so mm-hmm. they
0: don't necessarily have this uh, the skills of, of making research independently and and yeah Absolutely, they have to discover yes. that they can can uh, come with their passion and uh, are not necessarily told to what to, what to do.
1: Exactly, and that, that was my first challenge, It right. was, and it wasn't one I was expecting. So the first lesson of Genius Hour, the children were beside themselves with excitement, and I said to them, do you sometimes come to school and think, why are we learning this? And do you sometimes, while you're learning it, think, oh, how is this going to help us when we're older? And wouldn't you just love to come to school and learn what you are passionate about, learn about um, something that sparks your curiosity, something you're interested in. And they all said, yes, yes, yes. So I said, you're going to, this is what genius hour is. And they were sort of just over, overexcited and yet straight after that, that's when we hit the first hurdle was, Oh, how? Uh, we, we, we're going to do this by ourselves. Aren't you going to tell us what we need to think? <laughs> Aren't you going to tell us what we need to write? Aren't you going to tell us what we need to research? And nope, <laughs> that's on you. <laughs> so um, it was it was a great start, lots of excitement. But straight away, um, as soon as they were given that creative um, license and the uh, freedom to to learn, they they battled.
0: Yeah, mm. I can imagine. Um in Denmark, we often have for the seventh graders uh, innovation competition, where I'm also uh, a judge, both uh, lo- locally and, and then when they go to the regional and, and, and uh, national uh, final finals. Mm. And, and I think it's so uh, fantastic to see the, the excitement of the kids and how they love to make those creative projects. But it's also so obvious that for many of them, it's the very first time they are allowed to work in that way. So, that yes. uh, and I think it's so uh, yeah, important that, that or, or it takes time to learn to, to make great projects where you have that independency and maybe sometimes mm. they work collaboratively in groups and so on, but they have to, to, yeah, it's also a skill they have to learn. And it's very, it's actually a bit sad that they don't learn that naturally in school. That, yeah, here, mm. many of them, they are, yeah. Uh, 13 or so, when they before they are really allowed to make a free project that they uh, craft in that way.
1: Uh. Mm. Yes, I, I find that it's, or what I've learned just from this sort of short experience is that it's actually not about necessarily the end product, it's not about answering the question that they asked in the first place. It's a process, yeah. and that's what we need to be focusing more on is the, is the process, the skills that are involved, and like you say, in working collaboratively, um, that's what's going to take them further in life. Yeah. So the collaboration, that communication, you know, those, those words that we listen to and again in education circles, they're absolutely vital. Yeah. And I think, you know, initiatives like you mentioned and Genius Hour, it just gives them another platform to practice those skills.
0: Yeah, and it could be uh, fantastic if if that could be a bigger and bigger part of their their learning journeys in in school mm. and, and. Absolutely. But, but how have you felt that your 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 teacher role um, has that also changed, or the view that you or your experiences of suddenly also maybe stepping a bit back and and are more coaching than than teaching? Uh, mm, how has that yes. been for you?
1: It's been, it's been okay, um, it's also a mindset shift for mm. me as well, so I'm used to giving information and um, I, I've really enjoyed just sitting with the children at their table mm. and having a discussion. Ah. And that's all it really is, It's just talking to them about what they're interested in and just from those simple conversations, you can lead them in a direction where they can get more information. And that's where, that's where the role is so important as the educator, facilitator, is just to help guide them to where they need to end up. Mm. And I think it's, a, it's been a real game changer for me this term, just to listen to the girls more, listen to the children and hear what they have to say. I've really, really enjoyed that. It's made a massive impact on me actually. And you get to know them better. And teaching's all about relationships, isn't it? Yeah. And I've, I've loved getting to know them and what makes their brains tick. Yeah. And you don't often have that, especially because I only see them once a week. It's sort of, okay, we've got to do this, 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 and this, mm. and we get get through it and bye-bye, see you next week. Whereas I've got to know them properly. And we've got some incredible, they're all incredible children.
0: Yeah. And what kind of uh, projects uh, have they then started? Uh...
1: Okay, so we did something first called a wonder wall. So I said to them, I just want to know what goes on in your head. What keeps you awake at night? What sparks your curi- curiosity? And I said, just if you could, we, we sort of they spoke to their partner first about the list of questions that they've got. Things that they want to know how wo- how they work and. Um, they could just discuss anything and then i said just choose one one question if you could find the answer to one question in the world what would it be and so they each got to write it on a little paper brick and then we put those bricks up to form a wall so we've got this wonder wall in the discovery center which is where i work and questions range from why can we walk why do we walk on our feet and not our hands and um there was one. It's a good question. The, <laughs> it's a great question. And that's the thing. Every time yeah. they gave me their brick and we were sticking it up yeah. on the wall, I was flabbergasted. Like, yes, I also want to know this. Yeah. Um, I need to know these answers. And um there was one. Can we can you train a cat to do tricks like a dog can? Mm. You know, so um they were, you know, how was the world made? Who created who created God? um, if God created the world, who created God, you know, and real deep questions as well. And that's why I also, as the teacher started to sort of panic a little bit, because you think as the teacher, you need to provide the answers Uh, to these questions, but you actually don't. And that's what I also enjoyed. uh, I didn't need, I didn't need to know the answers to uh, all those questions. Um, and maybe when you, when you put the podcast out, I can, I'll take a photo of the Wonder Wall and I'll sort of stick it underneath, and uh, you can see all the different questions really varied, wonderful questions. What would would the world be like? Yeah, one was, What would the world be like without technology? And um, so a lot of history comes in there. You know, they're they're going Mm. to cover so much learning and content from other subjects just with this wonderful question that they come up with. And that's what gets me excited.
0: And where are they now in the in the process of of their projects?
1: Uh... So the, there are various stages. So the end result must be a a presentation of sorts or feedback. <sighs> so there, there's three three main steps. And so number one, they have to develop an inquiry question that will drive their project, cannot be answered by Google very hmm. simply. They have to deep you know delve deeper. The second point is they have to research their question thoroughly. And the third point is their end result, their solution or presentation, must be shared with an audience. So they can choose how they do that. So it can be a poster that they've made. They can do a a keynote presentation. They can do a little video. It doesn't matter how, as long as they feedback to an audience, to their peers. Um, And so that's the the main process. That's how we've done it. And then our, our sort of older girls, they've finished their feedback. The younger girls were still in that process; they're still in the in the research mode, and that's that's been tricky because with the, with the younger girls at school, we tend to um, we cu- curate the research for them, so they just have to scan a QR code and it takes them to the exact website they need to find information. Whereas in Genius Hour, they're pretty much going onto the internet yeah. um, as a as a whole, and so they've got to sift through so much information. We talk about you know fact and fiction. We talk about you know fake news. So they've, they've got a lot to deal with and a lot to process, as you said earlier. Uh, so it's lots of skills happening.
0: Well, I think, yeah, that's also quite vital skills that they're not always just getting guided onto a, a web page, mm. but have to find and, and navigate uh, themselves. That's... Yeah,
1: it's uh, absolutely. I think that's mm. a valuable
0: learning in it as well, even if it takes a bit longer time, that, that,
1: that's it and we must do it we have to go through the process and it has to be uncomfortable and um, they have to sort of we enter the have you heard of the learning pit they have to enter Uh, that learning pit they've got to struggle uh, and then then they come out of it and that's how that's how they learn
0: and i think we can relate to that uh, learning pit uh, often ourselves through the whole life that we sometimes find (laughs) ourselves in it but yeah, definitely.
1: Must... <laughs> Often. Yeah.
0: But remember that uh, yeah, there's so, so much value in sometimes in struggling that I oh, think...
1: Yeah. Pers- perseverance and grit yeah. key values. And it's actually one of our school values is grit. So we give them the opportunity to show grit whenever <sighs> we can. Yeah.
0: And I think there's this uh, interesting paradox in, 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 in learning that on the one hand, as, as schools and as teachers, we want to give them great learning uh, experiences and uh, when they look back uh, on school in, in 10 20 years time we want them to remember a lot of uh, good experiences and as a, as a fun time but sometimes yes. I also think learning or, or, or deep learning doesn't isn't entertainment necessarily it also ha- mm. has to sometimes be uh, frustrating and and challenging and uh, Especially project work, like you would, uh, say, saying, yes. this genius hour, involved this uh, element of frustration and back and forth, and and yeah, yes. uh, and that you sometimes have to to uh, leave some ideas behind that you thought were a good idea, and then you have to kill it and, and find a new one, and so on. But, that's
1: right. So that... I think, yeah, that's that's been our major major issue. Is it? That... Oh excuse me, this is very from Sorry about that. No problem. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Our major challenge has been exactly that. It starts off with this genius hour, starts with this major excitement of, yes, we get to own our own learning. We get to do whatever we want. And then, actually, it's hard work. It is hard work. They battle. They have to... um, face all these challenges and it's getting them through that yeah. <laughs> which is the which is the struggle. But it's all good. It's yeah. good for them. Yeah. It's good for us. Yeah.
0: And um just a thought but have you um yeah, it could be also interesting to, to uh, hear your your husband's uh, take on that. I think there are some elements that are so uh, also in the professional sports and, and in coaching and working with coaching that uh, I think that, that, yeah, just to hear the, the professional sports, people often have a bit different take on it or I especially think now when we are trying to transform the way that we teach, that mm-hmm. it can be very uh, helpful for us as teachers sometimes to actually to look into professional sports and how trainers, they are coaching there and helping Mm. people perform.
1: Yes, I agree with you. And there's so much more support now for professional sports, men and women. Um, You know, they've got the psychologists involved and um, dietitians, lots of various roles being fulfilled now um, in the world of sport.
0: And it could, yeah. And hopefully some of those uh, things will trickle down also in education so that we get more aware of the, yeah, the nutritional benefits of having healthy school meals and... Yeah.
1: Mm, yes, yes, that's right. Also,
0: yeah, because I think if we want our yeah, school kids to be high performers and they... Yeah, it's quite similar yeah. to, to what we see in, in sports where... Exactly, you, you
1: got to exercise the brain, you got
0: to yeah. keep it healthy. Yeah. Um. What have you found uh, most uh, difficult in your journey while, while introducing the Genius Hour? Other some things that you you also said that people were very welcome to reach out to you if they are working on similar projects. Uh, where have you found it uh, especially difficult? Maybe. I think. Yeah, you know, I
1: think the hardest thing is to keep the children going. Yeah. For me, it's it's getting them through that learning pit. Yeah. And helping them also find find answers to questions that they didn't necessarily have at the beginning. So sometimes the children think they ask one question, but they don't realise they've got to actually ask lots of little questions before they can get the answer to the big one. Yeah. And they just it's it's that uh, the
0: helping them breaking that down to to
1: bite-sized exactly. questions. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and they want that instant gratification. They've got yeah. their question; they want that answer. Yeah. And so they'll. At some one girl, she actually had a really great question. It was, "Can can a turtle that has been damaged um, or been hurt by injured by pollution mm. can can we build a three D printed shell and can ah. the turtle still survive?" Yeah. And I just thought that was an incredible question.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but She put her whole question into Google. She opened up Google homepage and typed, can a turtle survive with a 3D printed shell? (laughs) And Google just said, no, sorry. I don't know what you're talking about. And she came to me very confused. And I said, you know what? You have just created the greatest genius hour question because yeah. google doesn't even know the answer yeah. so let's break it down yeah. what can be created with a 3d printer how do 3d printers work yeah. and you know what would a prototype look like what would be involved let's yeah. go and speak to the people that know this yeah. and so uh so it's, oh, i'm excited just yeah. speaking about it now and uh and I, um, no, it's, it's, it's getting them to break down yeah. their initial inquiry question is a challenge. Yeah.
0: Uh, and do they have the opportunity to also then to reach out to? Uh, I imagine there's uh, sea turtles as well uh, on the beaches in South Africa and yeah,
1: uh, so, so, so yeah, to, to researchers the... that maybe
0: uh, actually work with those problems right now.
1: Yes, and just to get the specialists in. Mm. Um, like I said, the teachers we don't know everything. Call on the specialists yeah. to come in and talk to the uh, talk to the class. Yeah. Um, the marine biologist from the aquarium is very local. Come in uh, or we can, you know, set up a Skype interview, FaceTime, yeah. you know, the the world is so much smaller now with technology and that's where that's where we need to guide these girls or children, sorry. Yeah. Um, I'm so used to working in a girls' school that yeah, I yeah. just call all children girls. Um, so yeah, <laughs> so yeah, we need to show them that it's okay to reach out to the specialists.
0: Mm. Yeah, and I think actually, as teachers, maybe our role shifts so that we we are not any longer the, the, the those who have all the knowledge. Uh, I Absolutely. think we haven't been that for decades, maybe. But mm-hmm. but but, but mm-hmm. yeah, we can be that role in between. Uh, google and and then uh, having all the knowledge about helping them and what is the right strategies to to make good research or to actually reach out to people giving them the confidence that of course maybe our marine biologist would like to have a skype conversation with you and that they're not, not are that mm. intimidated about reaching out to people i think that can yes. sometimes be a very big hurdle for for, for, for many young people
1: Yes, definitely. I like the, what you said there about that link between the the children and Google. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Helping them navigate in this uh, digital world with those possibilities. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, but we have also uh, talked a lot about that you work in an all girls school, mm-hmm. um, and that sparks my curiosity. So.
1: <laughs> I like that. We'll pop that on the wonder wall. <laughs>
0: um. How is that uh, working in uh, all school or uh, all girls' uh, school? Um, I imagine when you worked uh, back in England, it was a mixed school? Oh. Yes.
1: Yeah, so the, they obviously have single-sex schools in the UK, but the one that hmm. I was in was, was a co-ed school, boys and girls. Hmm. And going into a girls' environment at first, I thought, oh, no, no, I'm not going to cope for very long. But actually, it's... It's where I'm meant to be. I'm a, I'm a advocate for um, for STEM. I believe we need more female engineers and technicians, and more female everything actually. Yeah. Um, so um, I I love being able to empower girls yeah. and to to help them not be fearful, help them to take risks and to fail safely. Yeah. Um, that's I know. That's, that's my,
0: that's my calling. Yeah. yeah and I and think having
1: two daughters as well, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's special. Yeah.
0: Yeah, But I can imagine that, um, here in Denmark, I don't think that we have uh, any schools that are either boys schools or, or girls schools. I don't think that we have that phenomenon, uh, at all. Oh really? So, um, well, I can of course see that can be a lot of, uh, advantages, um, especially maybe for some girls to to feel safe and, and explore a bit more freely. Uh, mm. But of course also some uh, things that uh, maybe could be a disadvantage or... or um, and I think a lot of the families that you're working with, if they have both uh, yeah, boys and girls, then they yeah. the, the, the brother and sisters going to different schools and... Uh, I think earlier you also told me that, that uh, the local boys' school is rolling out uh, Chromebooks and you have an yes, iPads and an so on, so that must also give some, uh, that, that the families then have to operate with two different technology uh, yeah, platforms.
1: Absolutely, yes. Um, we spoke about this before, where our brother's school, we do have many families with girls at our school and the, the boys at the brother's school, where it is a challenge their boys are they've chosen to roll out chromebooks and we choose ipads and so we are constantly justifying to parents why we've chosen the ipad and it's 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 easy to show (laughs) it's it's easy to prove why the ipad works for us um, our parents are really supportive, but as a parent, if I had a boy and a girl, I would really, yeah, really question the setup and the systems. Yeah. But we have our own reasons, and we use the iPad for creativity, um, for, for more for creation, you know, mm. rather than consumption. Yeah. Um, I can't say what what the boys are always using them for, so. But it's working for them and this is working for us, and yeah. we, as long as we communicate with the parents and yeah. we are justifying why we do what we do, we, we, we have the backing of, of the families, which yeah. is important.
0: But I think as uh, if I would be uh, way younger and, and would be a boy there in your town, I would be a bit envious on my uh, sister then. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually know, you know how much I'm uh, maybe a to I may be a bit biased, but I, I would uh, <laughs> definitely prefer, but uh, can't surprise anyone that I would uh, go for an iPad solution um
1: (laughs) i must say when we have the we have the teacher swaps and not teacher swaps, sorry the children the girls and the boys they have these interactions these special days okay where the boys come and visit us and they have a day of learning together and then they swap so they have these little interactions so when the boys come over and we get the ipads out Mm -hmm. (laughs)
0: it's
1: a good day (laughs) so uh, we definitely showcase and show them off when the boys come yeah
0: um when I, I think about um, yeah, divided it up in boys' and girls' schools, I can also mm. sometimes see that maybe... Uh, or oh, how to frame that? This division, will that uh, mm. enhance those uh, maybe stereotypes or, or uh, yeah. cookie-cutter shapes that you think girls have to be that way, boys have to be that way? Does it help break up those stereotypes or... or Will it in some cases also reinforce those uh, mental models about yeah, how mm. a girl should behave or how a boy should behave? Uh.
1: Yes, I I find that the teachers here. So when we can decorate our classrooms however we want to, um, I do feel for the girls that if they have a teacher that's particularly you know, pink and purple, everything's pink and purple, and that girl just wants Superman and Spiderman and Batman, um, I feel that, you know, they're sort of... What's the word? They are...
0: Um, but then they are in an environment that maybe are even more uh, yes. feminized than they would... Uh, definitely
1: definitely, yeah. definitely. Um, but I do feel that especially at the primary school we we're all about breaking the gender stereotypes this mm. is what we do we are our theme actually for next year so each year we have a theme last year was grit. Yeah. this year was um, ignite your light so just find something inside of you that ignites your light mm. you know and, and share the light pass it on but this uh, next year um, it's ours is like a girl, mm. so I hope my school don't mind me telling everyone on, on the <laughs> internet what our, what our theme is. Uh, but it's like a girl, and uh. have you seen that advert of um, it was never a dress? Have you, no? uh, so it's the, no. you know the toilet, the symbols for yeah. a male and female yeah. bathroom. Yeah. So, oh yeah, what's uh, in the,
0: the, the cape of a superhero instead of a, yes. yeah. Yes,
1: so that's that's our theme for next year, ah. it was never a dress, and mm. then the hashtag like a girl. <gasps> so, uh, you know, we're going to be telling the girls, that there's no, you know when we hear, oh, you run like a girl, you throw mm. like a girl, ah. you cry like a girl. And no, enough of that. Uh, it's uh, yes, I do run like a girl. Try and keep up and uh, throw like a girl. See what I can do. So uh, we're just turning it on its head next year, and I'm very, very excited. So yes, our school's all about breaking those gender stereotypes.
0: Uh, just, I'm just uh, curious uh, how it must be from um, for those kids that are going through most of the education as uh, where they are as separated in a girls and, 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 and boys environment and then suddenly transition over to a, a more mixed mm. uh, school environment that maybe if it, you hadn't had all those interactions with the opposite sex and then suddenly have or and, and how that affects mm. them. And, and
1: Yeah. It's hard for me to say I've, I've grown up in a purely co-ed mm. environment myself through school. Yeah. And also, I grew up with brothers, so yeah. I knew exactly what boys were like. They were just yeah. annoying. <laughs> <And>
0: so,
1: <laughs> um, so these girls that grow all come through the schooling, I mean, the interactions aren't that often. Mm. And if you don't have a brother or a boy cousin, yeah. um, I think it can be quite a culture shock when yeah. they go to university and mix. But I must say, most from what I've seen so far, most of the girls here... They're friends with boys, you know. They because yeah. they've got brothers or their friends have got yeah. brothers. They are they're mixing. They're not sort yeah. of in isolation all the time. They play sport together. Yeah. So I I think it's actually quite rare for a girl to go through the system and not
0: mm.
1: sort of interact with a boy. Yeah,
0: and it will also be interesting to see uh, also with that uh, theme for the next year and so on that. Um, having that experiences for, for some of those uh, girls, if that makes them more likely to go into leadership roles and pursuing that, and, and uh, if that gives them a bit of more yeah, confidence and, and...
1: Oh, yes, definitely. They, that's, that's the aim. Because every grade 7, um, we don't have a prefix system or a head girl system. We, have, we run this lead, uh, leadership program. And every girl in grade seven gets to choose a leadership role that she wants to pursue for the year before okay. she leaves, and they have to prove themselves to become leaders. So they get they get the sort of criteria that they need to meet throughout the year, and it's all values driven. Um, can they do they set a good example? Um, do they show initiative in the classroom? Do they help the teacher? Do they help a friend? You know that kind of and um, those sort of values, and so. They choose they choose an area where they want to show leadership so there's the various committees so mm. I'm in charge of the media committee. So my committee we would do interviews with the staff each week for those staff for the parent newsletter. We come up with these little initiatives for the whole school to think out the box in the year and so that's just the media committee. There's a wellness committee. There's the environmental committee. There's a PR committee. Uh-huh. So every girl gets an opportunity to show leadership. Uh-huh. And yeah, so then throughout the year, there's a, there's a silver leadership award. So they all work towards a silver leadership award. And then the leadership committee or the committee um, uh, teachers, we mm-hmm. get together and we go, sift through the applications. So it's like oh, a little okay. mini CV that they've got to create as well. Uh-huh and then if they progress through to the silver they can go onto the gold leadership awards which is very prestigious and um really those girls that just show grit mm. responsibility honesty um and all the other values that we we are passionate about
0: yeah. well, that sounds uh, mm. really interesting i think that could be very beneficial for for everyone to to yeah explore that mm. leadership uh role and and yeah both for their own life how we take leadership of our own direction but also can help other people grow i think that's yes. the main uh yeah or the really interesting interesting thing about uh, leadership isn't to yeah to lead others but maybe to to help others grow and and yes, yeah lead by leadership. example yeah mm,
1: yes we have many girls that are, they're servant leaders so they're hmm. quiet you, they they're not in your face they're not um, you don't hear, hear them or see them often, but quietly in the background, they are serving, they are leading in their own way, and we, we recognize those girls and we celebrate them.
0: Yeah, oh, That sounds awesome. Emma, uh, I, uh, I have a, a tricky question maybe for everyone on the podcast, but I'm very uh, interested about uh, yeah, the future of education and where we may uh, go. So I would like to hear a bit for of, of your your hopes for for what we will see uh, in the future of education, especially if you look. Yeah, I think we 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 have both of us uh, quite a number of years in education uh, mm. before we retire. So what kind of changes would you like to see in education uh, before we leave that profession?
1: Okay, I would like. In South Africa, especially, I'd like more teacher autonomy. Mm. So, you know, curriculum not quite so prescribed I, so that it allows more time for the teachers to be creative mm. and to be more flexible. I, I want to see more self-directed learning.
0: Mm.
1: I, I think we need to teach them more or give them opportunities to practice their the skills required to achieve i really need i i'm really passionate about eradicating spoon-fed information yeah it 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 does nothing it doesn't stick mm. you know um, i believe that children need to sort of be empowered to own their learning
0: yeah so that's uh, yeah mainly about the mindset of education that that could change the the culture of how we teach Your, your hopes for for what we will see uh, in the future of education, especially if you look, yeah, I think we 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 have both of us uh, quite a number of years in education uh, mm. before we retire. So, what kind of changes would you like to see in education uh, before we leave that profession?
1: Okay, I would like. In South Africa, especially, I'd like more teacher autonomy. Mm. So, you know, curriculum not quite so prescribed, I, so that it allows more time for the teachers to be creative and mm. to be more flexible. I, I want to see more self-directed learning.
0: Mm.
1: I, I think we need to teach them more or give them opportunities to practice their. The skills required to achieve. I really need. We, I, I'm really passionate about eradicating spoon-fed information. Yeah, it 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 does nothing. It doesn't stick. Mm. You know, um, that I believe that children need to sort of be empowered to own their learning.
0: Yeah, so that's uh, yeah mainly about the mindset of education that that could change or the, the, the culture of how we teach. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah,
1: mi- mindset change for teachers as well yeah. to sort of just let it go. <laughs> yeah.
0: So so that we uh, both get the trust of from from our leadership that we can uh, have a higher degree of freedom for how we teach. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Vital. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah and and uh, are there anything where you also talked about um, your your the tech side of the, your journey uh, and what have? evolved uh, in the years when you have been in education from smart boards to to iPads and so on. Mm. Are there anything there on the the tech side that you would love to see uh, getting uh, a bigger influence in education or or that could change education for the better? Uh,
1: Apart from every child on the planet having an iPad. Mm. um, mm. (laughs) (laughs) No. And I I think
0: next year the iPad turns uh, uh, 10 years old, so...
1: Golly! Yeah,
0: so now they must. Yeah, they
1: must give them away then. Yeah. Must give them away, one for every child. Yeah.
0: Yay! That would be a really good uh, one-to-one rollout.
1: <laughs> that would be amazing.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm also quite curious on how um, technology would uh, allow kids to work much more together and or collaborate uh, across mm. uh, countries and across uh, continents and. And if it could be uh, like we have a, a conversation uh, today over thousands of kilometers that that I think it could be so lovely if, if kids could do that as a very natural task in the future that they.
1: Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, to have it sort of um, just so we obviously, we I don't know, it's probably the same all over the place, but you know, the Wi-Fi. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm sure, please tell me that even where you are, there's Wi-Fi problems. But, you know, some a lot of the times we plan these amazing lessons yeah. and we want to do, you know, a Kahoot or, a, you know, a FaceTime call with someone else and then the Wi-Fi lets us down. Yeah. So, if we could just have rock solid Wi-Fi yeah. everywhere yeah. so that... I'd just be happy with that right now, yeah. to be honest.
0: <laughs> well, then I'm quite uh, curious on how the... The rollout of five G will impact that if we, in ten years' time, have our own Wi Fi or we just depend so much on the five G network that 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 we don't need to have that hassle about schools having different uh, Wi Fi problems and and and
1: yes uh, yes so if
0: we are all like, connected by by five G instead or what what that will be but I think that connectedness mm. is, is, is important and I must admit Definitely. that we in, in Denmark are quite lucky I think we are on the top five over countries that have the most the best uh, or more stable wi-fi in schools i think oh, the wow. most danish schools they have uh, acknowledged that if they want to implement technology that the foundation for that is to have a, a good and stable fast wi-fi uh, yes so and then it's so interesting to see when we see those rankings also just in europe that that are still p uh, or schools rolling out uh Chromebooks or, or iPads or whatever, without having made sure that they have the best possible connection for it. Mm. Uh, so mm that's,
1: yeah. Paramount. But we are I'll lucky looking... here.
0: Just, yes. Uh,
1: so you've got, even though you've got rainy days, you've got awesome Wi-Fi.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, the Wi-Fi yeah. is always shining. Uh, the sun, not, not that often. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, you know what? Though when I'm thinking about it, I think I'll stick to my sunshine. Thank yeah, you.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if we could have both, that would be awesome.
1: Oh no! Stop now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, Emma, I'm very, very thankful for for your time today. Um, is there anything that uh, I have uh, forgot to ask you about or that is uh, important for you in the education that you would like to share? Or have I just talked too much?
1: <laughs> no, I want to. Can I share about something that I want to try next year? Yeah. Genius Hour. That would be. Okay. So <sighs> okay, so next year I've got this plan and I was looking at the Wonder Wall, so all of the questions and. As you look at all the questions, so every girl in the school filled in a brick. And it all went. they all went on this one ball. And often, you know, there's lots of uh, questions that are quite similar. You could group them together. So we've got nine-year-olds through to 13-year-olds coming up with similar questions. So I messaged my principal the other day. Um, she's on maternity leave, so um, I sort of sent her a quick message mm. and I said, listen, I've got this idea. I don't know if it's going to work. What do you think? And I said, what if we have a passion project day
0: mm.
1: where in in the discovery lesson with me, I sort of coach them and teach them about the Genius Hour process and what it's going to entail. And then they come up with their questions and then I or the teachers, we sit and we group them together. So it could be the nine-year-old with the thirteen-year-old. They're actually asking the same question: Does age actually matter? Mm. So I want to use it as a bit of an experiment to break down the the age groups and group these children. So for one day, they can just col- work collaboratively with somebody completely different to them, from a different you know from a different age group, and see if they can find answers to their Genius Hour questions together. Together, so, oh, that's. Yes, I kind of I love the fact that we can, you know, work as a as a sisterhood. You know, yeah. bring these girls together, all the ones working with the little ones or the younger ones, yeah. um, to find the answers together and research together. So I'd I'd really like to try that next year with the school. Ah, that and the principal, like by me. the way, she just said, "Go for it!" Yeah, ah, go that, for it. So that sounds really good. It.
0: Yeah, mm. I think actually that is uh, the school where my sons they go they do mm. that i think every second or third year where they have one week where the whole mm. school has um, create this mini uh, neighborhood or they have everything that is in the city so they uh, cook food together and some of the kids are selling food and some kids they are making art projects and trying to sell that oh, wow. and then they have to, to, to create that little, little mini society but um, i think my both my boys they, really love that because they work together and form groups across the age groups uh, yes. and and i think that gives them also uh some very valuable relationships across uh yeah the, the classes and, and across the age groups that they then when they see each other on the playground mm-hmm. afterwards or in the city and so on that they know okay i have a friend that is three or four years older than me and and, and those kind of relationships they, they i think they are very valuable for for their self-esteem very as well yeah. mm. but also just to see that that they can uh, no matter their age that they have something valuable to bring to the table uh especially yes, for the younger exactly. kids can be i think can be very nice but i think also a lot of the the, the older kids um, yeah, can find it very inspiring to to work with the younger kids that they can suddenly see that they can have this uh yeah, a little bit of leadership role or, or being a good uh uh, yes. Yeah, trying yes. to, to show the best sides and not the worst sides.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly yeah. it, and it's they—they're they're being held accountable for yeah. their for their actions, and I, I can I can't help but think it's only going to help the culture of the school. Like yeah. you say, it's reaching out and seeing them in the street, yeah. and just knowing you've got a friend now—you've got a new friend—and doesn't matter that they're older than you or younger than you. Yeah. you and you think similarly. You've got the same thoughts. Um, so they can go and discover the answers together. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of power to be had in that.
0: And then um, it would be interesting to, yeah, when the kids say they, they, they will still maybe see us teachers as, as old, but we don't have also to convince them that we don't have that. <laughs> I could see that is at least one of the big transformations in in, in my time in education when when I started. That a lot of uh, I've worked with young adults, but I, oh, you're such a young teacher, and and, <laughs> and all they assumed that I was even younger than I was, and, and that never happens oh. to me any longer. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, those days are gone.
0: <laughs> the grey hairs, they, uh, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> they tell the signs cold. of uh,
0: of more than ten years in education, yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and the wrinkles.
0: Yeah. Oh. uh? (laughs) No, not you. not you. you. Uh, I'm very, very uh, thankful for your time today, Um, and uh, yeah, I will wish you a a very good weekend and and uh, a great summer holiday coming up here. Enjoy. Thank you so much, Jacob. Thank you, and
1: thank you for the chat today.
0: Emma is really a good friend, as you can hear, and um, I really, really enjoyed this conversation with Emma. And honestly, I must admit, I have had this interview laying around for way too long time for weeks. But I have been a little bit ill. I had a nasty virus here in December, and as a freelance consultant, I just had to prioritize the projects that uh, I actually give a bit of money and my passion projects, it has been hard to keep up uh, with those like this podcast. But now the podcast is back and there will be a lot of interesting things in the future. But before we talk about the future of this podcast, I want to share with you that I had the huge opportunity to be interviewed by Kelly Croy from the amazing podcast, The Wired Educator. I was down with this stupid um, virus, so I was, I'm rambling a bit in the podcast, but it was a huge privilege and a huge uh, honor to be interviewed by Kelly. Uh, He's a really good friend of mine and an educator and a podcaster that I really admire. And now there is is hundred and more than 150 outstanding episodes on his podcast, The Wild Educator. So I will include it in the show notes. Uh, I think it's amazing that he has produced more than 150 episodes. That's a fantastic accomplishment. And I also want to recommend Kelly Croy's other podcast. Yes, that's right. He is the host of two different podcasts and has a super demanding job. I don't know how he is accomplishing all of that, but it's, yeah, he's really impressive. Um, Kelly's other podcast is called Future Focused and with great ideas and inspiration for everyone who are on a journey where they want to improve their game professionally or in other arenas of their life. He is definitely a great inspirational speaker, so I will include the link for both podcasts in the show notes. And now let's talk about the future of this podcast. I can share with you that Breakfast Conversations will go on tour again. And once again, it will be England. Actually, it will be the BED conference in London that I will attend. I will be there for four days, and I hope to get a lot of opportunities to speak with a lot of interesting educators and school leaders about the future of education. So there will be some special edition podcasts coming up. And after that, I will call it a season. I know that we have had New Year's Eve, but uh, yeah, I will take a short break from the... Breakfast Conversation podcast, just to come back with a second season sometime in February. And uh, I have, I'm i working on uh, the format and some new ideas that I want to incorporate in the Breakfast Conversation podcast, but I maybe also want to uh, find a pace where there will be around two episodes a month, um, because there's another podcast project coming up that is related to one of my new Big passion projects um, that I'm going to pursue with a couple of other ADEs. And you can hear a bit more about that in the interview with Kelly Croy. And I will tell you more about that in the future because it will be a project that is really closely related to where the future of education should be and that is focused on helping educators and school leaders dream big and be ambitious and, and set goals for where they want to be in 10 years time. So, But more about that in the future. Thank you for your time today. I know that uh, the listeners of this podcast are people that are doing great things for education and thank you for that. You are doing a really important jobs. Keep on doing that and until next time.